You're listening to the B&H Photography Podcast. For over 40 years, B&H has been the professional source for photography, video, audio, and more. For your favorite gear, news, and reviews, visit us at bnh.com or download the BNH app to your iPhone or Android device. Now here's your host, Alan Weitz. Greetings and welcome to the B&H Photography Podcast. Today, John Harris and I are going to be discussing underwater photography with Adolfo Macioco, an underwater photographer based in Sardinia, Italy, and Jenna Martin, a fine art and underwater photographer based out of all places, Billings, Montana. Before we start, if you aren't a subscriber, head over to iTunes and sign up. It's absolutely free and absolutely painless. By doing so, you'll have a front row seat to all of our future podcasts, as well as access to all of our past shows. If you want more information about today's guests, as well as see samples of their work, head on over to our landing page on the B&H Explorer website. Before we start, I just want to let you know that for those of you who are interested in getting your feet and cameras wet, we're going to be having a special promo code we're going to tell you that will enable you to get 10% off on all Icolite underwater camera housings. That's pretty cool stuff. So stay tuned. We're going to give you that code at the end of the show. Speaking of show, it's showtime. Adolfo Macioco is an underwater photographer based in Sardinia, Italy. Nice life. I've been there, by the way. I photographed the Aga Khan's yacht there a long time ago. Jet powered, no less. He started his professional career as the resident photographer of the Camel Dive Club, and he's since developed his craft to combine his two fields, wedding and underwater photography. In addition to getting brides and grooms to take the plunge, by the way, that's a John Harris line, I gotta give credit where credit's due, I love it. He does wonderful ballet-like art photos of figures dancing and gliding through the water. Adolfo, welcome. Thank you, hello, nice to be here. Wonderful to have you. We've seen a lot of underwater photography around here, but your photographs really strike us as being different. How, how, how long have you been taking photographs underwater? Uh, I am a scuba instructor, so I was lucky enough to be in the water pretty much every day. And then I, I was just using the camera like uh, on my days off. And then I had the chance to start to work actually with the diving center as a photographer. So I could improve then my technique, uh, like, you know, just normal underwater photography. And then I was inspired by this uh, few artists like that are doing this sort of photography. There is, they call it underwater fashion, underwater fine art, however you want to call it. Initially, it was all done in the pools. So like, you know, in a controlled environment. Uh, but then I I moved to Thailand and then I did my first experiment in the sea. And then after that, I moved in, into the wedding field and, and I tried to, to bring my underwater experience into that. And, and so I discovered trash dress. So taking, taking the bride and the groom after the wedding uh, in the water with her, with her, with her uh, wedding dress. So uh, that, that's like, you know, the way he went. Pretty much. Did you approach a bride and groom to be with that idea first, or did a couple approach you about doing it that way? Actually, uh, I the very first shooting was done uh, for um, uh, an artist that was creating the dress. Mm. So ah. she had, she had these beautiful dresses in Thailand. She saw my pictures, and we decided to do a shooting. And so we, for that shooting, we had professional uh, free divers. So the, the very first shooting was done with professional and it was just 
uh, they, they were in real uh, bride and grooms. But then after uh, I published that work uh, and I moved back to Sardinia, I go into weddings. How many of the brides uh, agree to be uh, photographed underwater in their dresses? Well, I would say it's about probably 20%. I mean, like, you need to be a bit crazy and love the water. Sure, of <laughs> course. The idea is really cool because, yeah, I mean, the idea is to... Uh, to to jump in the water with a with, with a dress that uh -huh. you're not gonna be using again. So it's right. uh, but it's mainly to have fun, you know. Because sure. also uh, the results, especially if you're taking clothes up, uh, it's very difficult for people to to have a normal face. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> totally. <laughs> How do you direct people as a as a photographer to get them to make uh, the expressions that? That you would hope they would make <laughs> is it impossible or do you do you have little tricks and and things that you explain to them that they need to do when i work with people with little experience i mainly work very very close to the surface so the idea is to be the closer the better because you can also get the reflection being close to the surface so you can have the nice effect of the of the surface the reflection of the surface in the water and also, you just need to be a second on the water. So the idea is not to have your uh, mouth full of, you know, when you normally, when you hold your breath. <laughs> right, right. And have a, a full face full of air. So the idea is to be there just for a second. And I shoot mainly in continuous shooting so I can get uh, like five and six frames per second. So I, I can then have, uh, you know, they don't need to be in the water forever in order to take the shot. I, I imagine that, yeah, if they keep holding their breath, everyone's going to look like a blowfish. Um, do you ever use weight belts? Because, you know, buoyancy, if you're trying to get certain positions, it could be difficult at times to be fighting your own, your own flotation. So do you ever use any kind of weight devices on your subjects? It, it depends. It depends on the clothes. The, the main thing we do, the main thing I'm concerned about is the safety of the model. Yeah. So we need to to see first of all uh, there i mean if i'm doing my own project like the one you see in liquid uh, liquid dreams i'm working with professionals so i'm i'm uh, I, I don't have to worry much because they know what they're doing but when i work with like you know with just people with just a bride and the groom that decide to to do this thing on the water with that we first see uh, the dress what is happening and then sometimes i may add some hidden weights uh, uh, if it's too buoyant. Some of the dress may have the other effect, so they may bring you downwards. <laughs> that can be a problem. And so the effect it also make sure not to to drown, uh, you know, your clients. <laughs> yeah. Just out of curiosity, yeah, did you ever lose anybody? <laughs> <laughs> not yet, not, not yet. yet. <laughs> It's a funny experience once in the pool, and they, I had the, the, the two of them jumping, the couple jumping together into the water. And when they jump in, the bride, the dress went over her head. And <laughs> so she was panicking for, you know, it was half second, so everything went, was fine. I was a bit, uh, I was sure they would give up, but then they, they carry on and we had an amazing time. But you need to be very careful because you having, uh, swimming with a dress is not always easy. So you need to consider 
all all this, especially if you're doing it in the open water. So yeah. safety first. Now, do sure. the women are these their actual wedding dresses, and they just agree to jump in? Because here, you know, people take uh, some people keep their wedding dresses forever, and uh, or do you have like kind of a, a substitute dress that they can use if they want to? It depends. Yeah, we we some uh, bride don't care that much because mm-hmm. the idea of the trash the dress is to say, hey, yeah. we married. We don't need to do this. We're gonna trash the dress, right? right? Uh, actually, it, I mean, most of the weddings, especially here, here in Sardinia, sometimes we get really big big weddings and people get like you know the parties big. Have you ever <laughs> shot with the whole wedding party underneath the water? No, no, no yet. No, no yet. yet. <laughs> I was about to do one, uh, and then, uh, I mean, we had really, really bad weather, so we couldn't do it. You were talking about, you know, working in pools first. Can you talk a bit about uh, some of the differences? I mean, there's many obvious differences, but uh, particularly when it comes to safety and currents and, and light, the differences between working in, in a pool and working in uh, what I guess is the ocean for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, of course, it's. I prefer to work in the ocean in a way because you know, especially if you if you work in in, in a nice place. I'm lucky because I live in a very nice island. We have a beautiful sea. The visibility is just amazing all year round. Mm-hmm. Even if the, the water temperature now it's it's a bit too cold for me. I'm used to tropical water. I've been <laughs> living in the tropical for too long. <laughs> Uh, but the main, uh, the, the the good thing about the pool that sometimes you can be more creative and you you have you can have full control of the environment. So I mean, I use backgrounds to you know to isolate the subject, and you you can be more uh, creative with lights. Uh, while in the sea, sometimes you know cannot cannot predict the current, and uh, especially if you work in. Uh, with uh, sandy bottom, sometimes mm. you may have seal coming up. Right. Uh, uh, so it, it, the sea is much more challenging, but it's it's much more fun. Do you have specific pools that you use? Because not every pool would be applicable for this kind of uh, uh, work. Are there, are, do you have one that's custom built, or do you know one uh, pools that are extra deep, or whatever m- you might require? I like to cover the pool because I don't like to see the tiles. Gotcha. I don't like. To, to 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 show the pool, you know what I mean? So most of the time I use a black or an, another color so to have like, you know, a plain background and you don't see you don't see where you are really. And what, like, what kind yeah. of backgrounds are they? I mean, are they specially built for, for this type of thing or are they something that you've created? Well, I mean, I try. I mean, it's all, all exper- experiment I did in the past and mm-hmm. it was, I started in Egypt and it wasn't, that easy to get hold of the, the, the proper stuff. So I started just with this massive uh, six by four that became like an eight by six meters mm-hmm. uh, black fabric that you need to put in the water. And that can be tricky, especially even in the swimming pool, because you have the, you know, the, the engine of the pool that makes the water flows. Mm-hmm. So you need to uh, stop it down with weights and arrange everything down in order to not to have it drifting around the pool. Photographing in water it, it has a lot of challenges photographically, especially when it comes to color and the way light reacts. How much of your final images, the ones that we see on your website, um, how much of those have 
post-processing applied to them? And do you rely on it very regularly? I imagine there has to be a certain amount of uh, post-production. Well, sure. I mean, it depends really, because like the very last project I did was was mainly shot very close to the surface. I mean, the problem on the water, I don't know if you guys are scuba divers or you have any experience on it, but as long as you, as soon as you go deeper than five meters, you lose the red. Then you start to lose all the other colors and 20 meters is all blue. So absolutely, you need either to have an external flash, an external strobe or two, <laughs> uh, or use like filters, use white balance. But most of the time, then I do all this in post-production. So seeing the white balance again and, mm-hmm. and playing, obviously, a little bit. A little bit more than you would do probably on land, especially with a white balance. And can you speak about your lighting technique, especially when you're, we're talking about within a pool? Uh, is it all lights that you bring underwater with you, or do you have lights outside of the pool, you know, aimed inside to the water? Yeah, both, both. I like to use, I mean, uh, I started with normal strobes because on the water you, you normally have like, uh, normal flashlights, mm-hmm. and uh, but I, I couldn't get a continuous uh, the continuous shooting I wanted to get in order to get that moment because the the main issue, especially working with people, is like that uh, the way everything moves is unpredictable. So the bubbles in the face, the air on the face, the the way the dress moves. So to have a continuous shooting is the ideal thing. So. Now I'm working with continuous lighting, and uh, uh, it's it's much much better, especially in this condition. And the, but the lights are out of the pool or inside? In inside the, in the water. Inside. inside are, yeah. are they LED lights or are they tungsten? They are LED. Ah, okay. It's called Sola. Uh huh. S O L A. Okay. Interesting. And they and they are specific for underwater videography. I see. Okay. And can you talk while we're here on the subject a bit about the gear you use, your cameras, your the housing, what lenses you like to use, things like that? Yes, I mean underwater you are a bit limited with the, the lenses. I mean most of the time I either use um, a fisheye lens or like the equivalent of a 35 millimeters uh, if I'm doing like, you know, close up. Uh, the, the gear I'm using, I mean, I used to uh, have a, a Nikon uh, for underwater photography, but I switched last year to a mirrorless system. Mm-hmm. So I bought an Olympus. Mm-hmm. To, to be smaller because, I mean, it makes a huge difference, especially if you're traveling, but also the drag you have on the water. So the, the size now is half than it used to be, and uh, it's good for my back. <laughs> I bet. And uh, which camera do you have right now? I'm using, for the underwater work, I'm using an um, EM5 Mark II okay. Olympus. Right, brand new, yeah. And what's the housing What's the housing is a Nauticam. Okay. Yeah. All right. And does that different? Is the camera that you use on land something completely different, or you? Yes, I use Nikon mainly on land. Okay. I use Nikon full frame, like a D750 camera. Okay. Uh, 
But for the water, I was about to get an housing for that. It's uh, about the size is, uh, mm. you know. I, so I have one yeah. question about um, your about the wedding work and and I guess maybe what we could call just the the fine artwork. Uh, and then I want to get back specifically to the Liquid Dream series. But when you're um, when you're shooting, do you have do you look for certain things in terms of the way the dresses move and the hair move, or is it just so hard to control those elements that you just shoot and then afterwards you, you use what you like, or do you have ways that you can direct a model or a bride to, to swim this way or to move that way, and or is that just impossible? Well, I mean, the thing is, you always have an idea, but then, uh, I mean, when it comes to the, <laughs> the, the, yeah, the, the action, sometimes, again, things move. It's really unpredictable. So you It's have the same the thing idea. around here. John writes a script, and I never stick to it. So <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you never know what is going to happen. So the idea may lead to another idea, and then sometimes you need to change plan on the water. Mm -hmm. So, and then, I mean, it depends, because we were saying before the way you communicate to people. I mean, when I work on the surface, we can just talk. Mm. And be, while we're there and then we just go down we do the shoot and then we come up immediately so we can talk and see immediately the mistake but like another project i did i was on the water all the time so i instructed people before i was in the water and then i was just praying for them <laughs> to do the right thing and do, you, and do you work with a big team i mean do you have an assistant that'll help the people when they come up for air and and give them instruction and go back sure, down uh, yeah, there we had like uh, a team of 17 people in total oh, because wow. Wow. We, we, yeah, because we had like, you know, the free divers, someone that was like, you know, coordinating the shot and all, had all the instruction about the movement, what they had to do on the water. Uh, plus we had safety, free divers, safety divers. Uh, people, you know, the makeup, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was nice. It was yeah. a very nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess those are people that are there. They specialize in underwater, underwater makeup, underwater, I don't know, hair or, or not. I mean, can you find people that are that special? Mm, well, I mean, at the end, you don't really need that. No. I mean, as long as, as long as you have uh, like an underwater makeup and yeah. then, I mean, obviously they will not last that long. That's yeah. one of the other problem you have, no matter how good is your model and also your makeup I mean, <laughs> sooner or later. I mean, in about after an hour, if you find <laughs> a model that can, you know, can handle to stay in the water for an hour. We're sure you will see that, you know, that it's not going to be as perfect as when you start. If you look at your photographs, they are extremely placid. They, they are peaceful. They're dreamlike. They're slow motion, if I could use that word. But the truth is, when you're taking these photographs, you might as well be photographing a, a, a fast action sports event because you have to be on every single moment because the picture that you're looking for is very fleeting. It just doesn't happen. Most, I would imagine most of the time that you're under the water with your, your models or your subjects, it's just helter-skelter. It's all over the place. And then all of a sudden, like, a, like watching a flag flutter in the wind. If you ever try to photograph the perfect flag flutter, you're going to take a lot of pictures before you get that. And I imagine it's even more critical with you. And you can't stay there all day. Like you just said, after an hour, everyone's shot. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, yeah, you 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 got the picture really clear. Yeah, I mean it, it, that's why sometimes to see a behind the scene helps people to understand uh, what it what it takes to to actually have that shot. Let's get back to talking a little bit about the Liquid Dreams because, um, like I said, we we're all pretty fascinated by that series. We want to know about your technique from from shooting all the way through post production, and can can we start with how you create the upside down? feeling and the upside down imagery is that something that you're doing in camera yeah i started it like two years ago when i met this ballet dancer here in sardinia and uh, we tried to take some shot and she was just amazing so uh, we decided then was and, she a uh, diver was she underwater proficient no no not, not at all she was just incredibly skilled and she, she never did it before but she was uh, really, really comfortable in the water, and she could basically do whatever she wanted to. So she was uh, really good to, to work with. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then, uh, like I, I had already this idea of using the the, the, the surface as as the the bottom, as the ground. Right. So uh, the, the idea is like to flip. The, the picture upside down. So that's the only trick, really. I mean, at the end of the day, you just see the world upside down. So if you flip the picture and you look the, the like, you know, the real world, it looks completely different. It looks but like then, it looks like the, uh, your subject is skipping across the surface of the water by moonlight is really what it appears like. It's very dreamy. Yeah, yeah. And, and you can achieve like, you know, very dreamlike, you know, results. So especially with these, the two, the main two uh, subjects, the main two models I, I've been uh, shooting with during the pro, during Liquid Dreams uh, was much easier than normally with the others because they, they are really, really good in the water. So that's what makes a, uh, the, the big difference because... You know, as you said, also clothes goes everywhere, but also the way you move, especially going upside down, you know, mm. because you need to be straight, uh, facing the camera. Uh, you don't see where you're going. You have water going into your nostrils. So uh, the, the part of the model is really tough. <laughs> the guy is a professional freediver. Mm -hmm. He's the one I told you that goes to 300 feet. Ah, yeah. You know, with the monofin. Right. Uh, Carrera is, mm -hmm. is a real diver. And so, how, how long can he stay underwater? I don't know. I mean, the first time I, I, I went shooting with it, I couldn't believe it. Because, you know, normally, as I was telling you, I, I, I do continuous shooting because people cannot stay that long. And right. the guy was just there <laughs> in the same position. He was doing like... Uh, you know the Buddha position. Mm -hmm. You know, like the yeah, yeah. Position. I have that one picture here. Yeah, in probably what 15, 20 meters of water, so what, sixty feet, uh, and it was there, and it was like you know, it was still there, and it was there for I don't know two minutes, mm -hmm. no problem without mask, without anything. So, and now, especially with the dancer, are are you guys? Is she thinking of any certain particular uh, ballets? Are they kind of acting out moves from any particular ballet, or are they just improvising their moves and you're photographing them? Yeah, mainly is improvisation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's a classic dancer, so I was um, 
I mean, you know, and she, she was really good. So we, I just let her dance. And it, it just went like that. Some of the pose I, that I wanted to achieve, I was more directing them, especially when they were working together because they couldn't see each other. So mm -hmm. to, to have some of the shot, it was, you know, it took a, it took a long time to, to, to get uh, what I had in mind and what you guys saw uh, that I published. It's really incredible because as you describe it, I guess, you know, you're just turning the image upside down, but but it really feels like there's something more going on. I mean, yeah, there are some yeah, images, yeah. particularly the one that I, I guess is one of the main shots, though, uh, where the two of them are together. And, they sort of crisscross each and, other. And the, the surface is above them. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just, I'm, I'm looking at it upside down to see how it might have been originally, and I still don't really figure it out. It's just so, it's so dreamy. It just floats there wonderfully. I, I just think... Uh, it's a marvelous series. Um, Thank you. <laughs> and, and again, I know Alan asked this a bit already, but can you talk about any of the post-production work that you do? Mainly, I work with Lightroom, and uh, I have my own plugin. I have my own uh, like filters that I create, especially for this shooting, mm -hmm. uh, and then I play with it. I mean, the, the, the most... Uh, the, the biggest pain is to remove the backscatter. Mm. So in some of the picture, it may work. And sometimes I leave some, but in some of the picture, you, you have to clean it. And so for this, I uh, use Photoshop, obviously, like, you know, the normal mm -hmm. uh, spot remover, but it, it can take a really, really long time. I, I would imagine even a lot of the uh, foreground, I know I've done a, a little bit of shooting underwater uh, um, and, if you're using a flash or anything like that, anything in the foreground, little bits of stuff just, and there's always stuff floating around, gets lit up pretty, pretty well and much brighter. So I imagine you have a little bit of cleaning up to do. And and for the Liquid Dreams, is there anything, any, is it all natural light or do you add some flash? No, it was, that was all with natural light. Mm -hmm. So the, uh, some of the shooting was done uh, like uh, just before sunset uh, some just you know after sunrise because oh. I really wanted to get the, the you know the, the 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 reddish color you have in some of the picture mm -hmm. and that was you know by all natural. So, so there's uh, an yeah. there's an image that that you call dancing on Mars, and yeah, yes. can you explain how you got the light yeah, on that please. or is that just uh, good luck? No, that, that was the one I told you that was really taken just before sunset mm. because I was like, uh, the idea was to be uh, in, the, in a place where you don't see uh, the bottom. So we, we, we needed to be a little bit outside because where I live, you need to be, uh, it's, it's quite shallow. So most of the time you, you see the bottom. So we had to go a little bit farther out it was a bit choppy, so it wasn't be. Uh, it wasn't that easy to stay there and get that shot with the reflection. By you know, that is just sunlight. The turbulence is what makes the sun the, the light work so well. Because if it wasn't turbulent, if if the surface was calmer, you wouldn't have that amazing light. I actually assumed it was a whole bunch of strobe heads or flashes going off above the water. But yeah, if it's turbulent water at sunset. You, that's what it would look like. It's it's amazing. Yes. It's absolutely yes. amazing. Thank you. 
Adolfo, thank you so much. This has uh, been a terrific interview. Love your work. Love speaking with you. And uh, it's definitely an eye-opener and just really, really refreshing. Uh, if people, if our listeners would like to see more of your work, where should they go? Uh, well, they can have a look at my work on my website, which is adolfomachocco.com. And uh, and then obviously from there they can see my Facebook and my Instagram where you see probably mm-hmm. even more where I post most of my stuff. Well, next time you're in town, please stop by. Uh, sure. we'd, lo- we'd love to catch Absolutely. up. And again, for our listeners, more of Adolfo Machioco's work is visible on our website, on our landing page, samples of his work. And again, if you've been listening to this podcast, I know you're going to want to see what we've been talking about. So head on over uh, to our Explorer page and take a look at it. And it's great. Adolfo Machioco, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, guys. Thank you. It was a pleasure. We're going to take a short break and we come back. We're going to be speaking with Jenna Martin, a fine art and underwater photographer based in Billings, Montana. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the BH Photography Podcast. Send us a tweet at BH Photo Video, hashtag BH Photo Podcast. We are back. Jenna Martin is a fine art and underwater photographer based out of, you ready for this, Billings, Montana. Where else would you want to go diving? After acquiring her master's in psychiatric rehabilitation, she made a drastic career change into the fields of photography. Makes sense to me. In 2011, she built her own underwater camera housing, entered the world of underwater portraiture, and never looked back. You gotta love it. Her underwater photography is sensuous, technically adroit, and visually thrilling. Welcome, Jenna. Terrific to have you here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So what kind of gear are you using for your work? And we're going to get into all of the other stuff. And tell us about that underwater housing that you built. Yes. What was it made out of? Yeah, see, I kind of love talking about gear because... I knew nothing about it when I started, and that's why I built my own housing, because I couldn't afford it. So I had a Canon 5D Mark II when I started. Now I have the Mark III. I usually shoot with something around 17 millimeters for a lens, so I have a 17 to 40 millimeter that works fine. Um, it's an Icolite housing, and I use a couple different Icolite strobes now, though I don't use them very often. I kind of like shooting with um, natural sunlight and... Yeah, that's pretty much it. I don't have any dive gear or nothing. It's the housing, strobes, camera, and lens, and that's about all I use. Do you ever use continuous light, or are you sticking specifically with strobe? So I use a little bit of both. I like continuous light probably 80%, 90% of the time, Uh, and I use a different look. And then if I'm in a situation where I want more continuous light, I have my original homemade housing still, and I just pack it full of – high lumen uh, flashlights and I just have <laughs> underwater with me pointing it. <laughs> but what was it? It still comes in handy. It's fantastic. What did you make the original housing out of? It was out of um, this giant PVC pipe with a um, big rubber cap on one end and then plexiglass <laughs> and super glue on the other. Wow. And I had a little spot in it where you could screw in the camera plate and you could set it all nice and um, secure in there. And I would just put an automatic shutter release and just let it click. And I could always know when it was done because you could stop, it would stop vibrating, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, put it out, and take it all apart and put download the photos, put it all back together and put it under again. Is the tree used fireflies instead of a flash for that unit? <laughs> <laughs> Joking. That is true. That's factual. And when you, do you ever set up lights outside of the pool? 
like into pointing Sometimes. into the water? You do. Okay. And yeah, what, so I'll just take one of my strobes and there's like a good, you can just add longer cables to it. So you mm-hmm. can take one of the underwater strobes, put it in a giant softbox and then connect it to your underwater housing with just a longer cable. So it mm-hmm. still fires at the same time and everything. Your work is, it seems to be 50-50 between shooting in a pool and shooting in open bodies of water. Are, there are challenges, uh, uh, pluses and minuses to each of them. What's your preference and, you know, w- w- how does it differ for you when you're approaching these kind of projects from, say, going um, into a pool and going in open water? You know, it's kind of interesting because a pool is between chlorine and salt water and there's all kinds of different levels of that. And personally, I'm allergic to chlorine, so mm. I'm not a fan of it. And I'm starting to get a little the older I get, the more I kind of grow out of it. And as time goes on, the better filtration systems there are. So I used to not be able to shoot in chlorine at all. And now I can kind of handle it and the systems are a lot better. So it's a lot clearer. Um, but if I can do saltwater pool, that's even better. Um, one step above that is definitely any of the freshwater lakes here in Montana. They are glacier water, so they're crystal, crystal clear, clear, but they and are freezing. I was just going to say they must yeah. be very, also very cold. That word glacier is a little bit of a clue. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> they are absolutely freezing. And I don't wear a wetsuit at all. It's kind of a rule I have um, because I'm shooting models and they're in not in wetsuits. Right. So if I'm all comfy and feeling awesome, I will just shoot forever and I don't really – I'm not able to recognize when they're getting really uncomfortable or it's getting dangerous. So we're in freezing water, mm. <laughs> just in our bathing suits. Is it safe to assume that you pref- would prefer fresh water over salt water? I'm just thinking of all the issues dealing with salt and the coloration. Personally, I do. But I'm kind of a Montana girl, so I grew up on it. So even when I get into the ocean again, that salt water is kind of jarring at first. I'm just not used to it. Mm. <laughs> and as long as I shoot in it, I can just never prepare for how salty that is. So I, I prefer freshwater plus even as long as I've shot in the ocean. There are so many animals and stuff I'm not aware of. You know, I planned an entire trip to Australia a few years ago to shoot. And it wasn't until a buddy of mine contacted me and said, yeah, it's kind of like a jellyfish mating season at this area. So you can't, you can't shoot that. It's common knowledge to everyone else, but I – and from Montana and had yeah. no idea. So, <laughs> there's different challenges. Of course. And are you not a scuba diver? No. Um, in the very beginning, I got, that's the whole point of why I built my housing. I just could not afford any of this stuff. And I didn't have any of the scuba gear. So I started out without it. And then now I kind of love how convenient it is. I don't have to pack any of that stuff. No fins. I mean, I can literally just get on a boat in the middle of nowhere with housing and, and my camera and go, and that's it. And I guess just if you can kind of describe some of the tricks of of your technique in terms of staying down and, and your buoyancy and, and how long, how, how you shoot and things like that. I control all of my buoyancy mainly through breath. So the more air you have in your lungs, the more buoyant you are and the more you let out, the more you sink. So at this point I've kind of gotten a happy medium where I know where neutral buoyancy is for me, depending on how much air I need to have in my lungs. So if I want to go down lower, I just let more out. And if I want to go higher, then I just have to, you know, kick my feet a little bit and go up higher. So right now that's how I do it. And in the beginning, I think it was just easier because I didn't have to learn how to do, you know, any of the scuba stuff. Now I'm at a point where I can get down. I probably shoot my deepest I go is probably between 30 and 40 feet. I don't go much deeper than that. Wow. But, um, and how long does that give you to shoot? I mean, you have a few seconds pretty much, right? Or I mean, I've got probably 
I probably got about 10 to 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the models that I work with are, you know, really good at it. They're starting to get a lot better. And if I ever get to be fortunate enough to work with some free divers someday, then I'm sure we'd have a lot more time. So I probably go down first. They go under, yeah. they go under and pose as long as they can and they come back up and then I come up after them. And do you work with a lot of the same models in the sense that the kind of communication you're going to need in these short amounts of time is crucial? I do. Yeah. I do. I mean, every once in a while I'll find a new model that is just absolutely a fish in water and they just take to it, but it takes a lot of effort and a lot of training. I mean, people think that it's so ethereal and it looks like you're just floating and looking pretty and it's not there's water going up your nose i mean you're basically drowning the entire time (laughs) it's a control drowning situation there's a difference it is a control drowning (laughs) and these models get really good at it and when i'm shooting in locations you know where i really need a killer shot and i don't have time to mess around i will fly out one of these girls plus you know working with the models here in montana they've already been in some pretty insane conditions because it is so cold. The water is so cold Mm -hmm. that once they get into ocean water, it doesn't really matter what's happening. It's all warmer than here and they never complain. They do whatever I need. I love it. Did you get into the underwater photography when you were still in Billings or did you sort of fall into it during traveling on, on, for some other occasion or reason? No, no, it was right here in Billings. I, uh, I actually didn't even get into photography really until I kind of made this crazy career change. I just out of nowhere decided that I was miserable and I needed to do something creative. And I made this like list of creative jobs. I narrowed it down to a few. I narrowed it down to four. Uh, There were writer, (laughs) musician, cake decorator, and photographer. And I just chose (laughs) photographer. I didn't have a camera or anything. I I always compared my skills to a cake decorator too, actually. So I, I get that. I do. And how long until you got into the underwater stuff? Oh gosh, maybe only a year or two. Okay. Photography was one of those things where I started shooting and then thought, okay, I'm, this is creative. I'm going to love it. Of course I am. This is my new job. And um, <laughs> yeah, started doing weddings and stuff and realized this is not for me at all. Mm. <laughs> so I was having a little bit of a hard time. And then I just kind of got the idea of shooting underwater. Like it would be cool, but I didn't research it enough to know that people actually do this. It's a real thing. And so I just started, you know, playing around with it and then um, started building some housings and looking up how much real housings cost and <laughs> definitely closing all my computer tabs because that wasn't anywhere in the price range and um, just kind of built some housings and then started shooting and started sending photos out to people and was like, I can do this, come and shoot with me and eventually started sh- sending them out to companies and just kind of grew from there. And who are your clients and who, who do you work with? Um, you know, I work with, I started out working with a lot of portrait stuff. So I do a lot of underwater engagement sessions Mm -hmm. and uh, high school senior photos of people who are surfers or divers, stuff like that. Um, family photos for people that have a pool in the backyard. I would just come and photograph the whole family playing in the pool above and below the water. So I did a lot of that kind of stuff. And then what I mainly do is I sell a lot of art for galleries and I sell a lot, um, of licensing for book covers. And those are like shoots that you, you, you know, your concept and you work them through and then the final image you throw out there and, and, and yeah, you know, I'll get, you know, kind of direction. So from a publisher, we'll kind of say, you know, this is what the book is about. We need something kind of dark and eerie, or we need a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And, um, you know, I'll just kind of go off their ideas and pick something and send it on and, it's kind of nice, you know, if you if you send them an author or a title or whatever they need and their photo they need, then if that author tends to write a sequel or a couple different sequels, and they usually contact you again because they right. want everything to be cohesive. So 
I just kind of fell into that. And then that's mainly what I do now. How do you approach marketing your images? Because you come from a very unorthodox background to photography. Uh, yes. You know, uh, so it's, it's, like you say, it's a whole new thing. You said, hey, this sounds good. I'm going to do this. And now you're doing it and it's succeeding. So what, what are your markets? How are, you, how are you marketing your photographs? I really started out, I hit social media really hard. And then with underwater, you know, there's, there's not a lot of underwater portraiture. So the tags I could find on Instagram and on Twitter, and I could kind of contact these people, there were a lot less photos in there than what, you know, if you just hashtag wedding photography, there's a lot more, um, there's a lot more photos to choose from. So I was kind of finding these unique tags and trying to get my work out there. And then once it's my social media following started growing, I would just contact people directly. Um, and if I couldn't find the right email, I would tweet the company and they would usually direct message me or somehow give me the right email to contact. And, um, so it was a lot of emailing and direct contact with people and a lot of just people ignoring me, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> until my social media got media got to a certain point and then they would possibly work with me. So a lot of my marketing was really, I put a lot of effort into social media and a lot of emailing and trying to find the right person to talk to. How, how much time went by between the time you started approaching uh, your photography this way and to the point where you said, hey, this is working. I'm doing it. It's it's real. Um, I would say I probably started 2011 is when I built my housing. 2012 is when I started actually trying to, okay, let's market this. You know, let's, I just kind of bear down was like, why not? You know, let's just go for it. And I would say it probably took about two years before I was just doing underwater full time and, and making enough of it that I could, I could stay afloat. And do you earn through Instagram as like they would say an influencer or do you, do people approach you to, you know, to shoot for their feeds for a while or anything like that? You know, yeah, I, I get a lot of people that approach me for, um, so like tourism, sometimes I'll work with them tourism Mm -hmm. for their accounts and stuff like that sometimes. And I get a lot of people that approach me to post for them but I don't like to because I just don't, I kind of have this thing about it's like selling out or something. It just drives me crazy. So I don't want to, um, every once in a while, if a company offers me a watch, my husband loves watches. So <laughs> I will totally sell out for free watches. Because my husband likes them. Keep that in mind. All but right. that's about it. Um, otherwise if companies, um, contact me, and they want to send me some swimwear to shoot, then of course I'll absolutely do it. And, you know, try and get something that it's always, you know, my concept in the end. And what about the the world of fashion? Because it seems it's a natural fit. You know, I'm, I'm slowly moving towards that, um, arena. Mm -hmm. I work a lot with the talent agency. I work here with Rocky mountain entertainment agency. They live there in um, Billings, Montana. So I do a lot of shoots for their models, for their model portfolios. So their models go to LA and they are expanding their portfolios. Um, it helps them out a lot because, um, underwater modeling is a pretty specific skill set. So having that on the resume is really great. So I work a lot with the models. I don't work as much in the fashion area, but there definitely is some overlap there. I mean, there's some beautiful fashion stuff that is absolutely art. So no, it's 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 been a it's it's been a progress. In Billings, do you have kind of a a team of people that you you rely on in terms of hair, makeup, maybe not hair so much, I don't know, but underwater makeup and even the pool that you use, it is a, is it a regular pool you know, the, or uh, where do you shoot? The pool was one I found on Facebook. I had shot, um, family photos for a family a long time ago. And I posted on Facebook and said, uh, is anyone have a pool I can shoot in? I'm kind of trying this thing out. 
And they commented and said, yeah, come use ours anytime. So I trade them family photos every year for, you know, seniors or family, whatever they want to do. I shoot them and they let me use the pool for free. And it's only open, you know, it's, it's outdoor and it's Montana. So it's from, you know, probably May till September ish. And then, um, for hair and makeup, a lot of my go-to girls, fortunately, that are really, really good at underwater modeling are also really, really good at makeup. So I've gotten really lucky there. And if I do have a client or someone else that needs makeup, I can call up one of my models and say, come and do makeup for them because they know the makeup to use and they have a lot of it. Yeah. And I'm, assu- I'm assuming there is a special kind of makeup you need for the underwater work or no? You know, there, there is. And we, we happen to a lot of drugstore stuff because the term waterproof turns out is not waterproof at all. So they said <laughs> waterproof mascara, it is not even close. Right. It barely holds up on a human day. So we tend to tell if it's a client, I tell them, you know, wear whatever makeup you think you're going to wear and then get in the shower and wear it in the shower. And if you get out and you like the way you look, then by all means, you can go ahead and wear that. Um, but if something um, runs off, then that's the thing you have to replace. And I'll usually have a few brands or something they can, you know, possibly work with. Most of the makeup artists that I use and the girls that I use, um, they all kind of have their own little list of brands. And so I just trust them. And I'm like, all right, this is a look I need. You do whatever you need to do. The one weird thing I will say is foundation in pools tends to look white. So when I very first started shooting, they'd go under and I'd take a picture and their face looks normal to me. It looks normal in the camera, but on the back of the camera and the photos, they look like they're wearing white clown paint. So for a long time, there was no foundation on any of the models. Okay. Interesting. When you're working with the models, do you have a little conversation before you both go under and say, you know, I'd, I'd like to get this look or or this type of gesture or swim at me or swim away from me? And, and how's that process work? And how much yeah. of it is serendipity? Because that's yeah. a lot of it here, I would imagine. <laughs> There's a lot of information we have to cover before they go under. Um, since I use a wide angle lens, a lot of, I got to cover, you know, don't don't put your hands or your feet towards me. Are they going to, you know, warp out <laughs> like you have flippers on? And, um, a lot of it is just trying to get them prepared for what it's going to feel like because people are unaware of that feeling. And a lot of it is they have to let their out air out too. So they don't sit and bob at the surface. And if they let their air out, they can kind of sink and it gives them a semblance of gravity and then they can pose because they have an idea of where their body is right. in that space. Right. So a lot of it is just doing the breathing, practicing, blowing the air out because a lot of people just, they take a deep breath, they let their air out, and then they try and go under and nothing happens. And you have to actually push even more of your air out. So it feels like you have no air in your lungs and then you go under. So it's that kind of mental block of they think they're drowning and they have to get used to that. And then once they get used to that, then we talk about you know the poses. Um, people's shoulders tend to float in water, so they have to like mentally push their shoulders down, have to be aware of their face. They can't push their eyes really tight or, you know, have chipmunk cheeks. Um, there's a lot of little tiny posing things that they do. Usually I tell them if you can keep soft hands and pointed toes and you're flailing under there, I can still get something and it might look good. (laughs) (laughs) And do you tend to shoot a lot in those 15 seconds, 20 seconds, just kind of continuous shooting or waiting for that right moment? You know, it's a little bit of both on land. I don't, I'm not much of a burst shooter. I like to really compose and take one shot. Uh, when I started out, I saw some video of someone shooting for Vogue and they only took like two shots and then they would switch the whole look out and do something else. And I thought that was just the most badass thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So I still still try and do that, but underwater you're both moving and there's a slight delay between focus and shooting. It's a little different than on land, which is kind of odd. So 
it's a lot of kind of anytime they get the right pose, you're taking a couple shots kind of right around that area. And then when they come back up, it's a lot of do the exact same pose because I can't guarantee, you know, maybe a bubble didn't come up right in front of their face right. or the camera didn't focus on a little, you know, particle that reflected light right in front of them. So it's a lot of finding a pose that they're comfortable with that looks good and then hitting that again and again and again and taking multiple shots of that same pose. You just, you mentioned something that struck a question for me and that had to do with autofocus. And you mentioned that autofocus is a little more sluggish underwater. Do you ever revert to manual focus just for reasons of speed and to eliminate further delay or is that too tricky? You know, I used to do manual focus because that's what I had on in my homemade housing because you couldn't adjust anything. So I just set the manual focus to a certain, you know, depth in front of you. And I just had to keep the models in that, you know, that far away from the camera. Underwater, I do like the autofocus because there's times when we're both under there and something will happen. So I'll move really quick and it'll be further or farther away. And trying to fuddle with, you know, manual focus underwater while I'm also moving and they're posing and all this light is changing. It's just not worth it. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I like to do auto. I could, I probably do manual once in a while if I'm in a really controlled, like a pool situation, um, if I'm doing close-ups or something like that. And how do you work with the light to get the reflections that are really on the, on, on, off of the surface of the water? Uh, yeah. How does that, how do you work for that? So the reflection really depends on where that, if that light is hitting the surface at all. So if you have the really cloudy, cloudy days, um, it's like this nice clean reflection. If you have the sunny days, it's kind of this more jarring reflection and it just depends on how close the model is to the surface and my angle. So if their head is right on the surface, you get that huge, long reflection. If they're super deep, a lot of times you don't even see the reflection. So it really just depends. Um, and it's, it's just, you know, how water and light, everything changes down there. So, you know, you want that glowing ethereal look, you got to make sure there's no light hitting off the surface and then bouncing back onto your model. Um, so it's a little more difficult. Whereas if you want that, all those streaks across their face, then you have to have light bouncing off the surface, whether it's coming through or if it's, you know, from below shooting up into the surface and then letting it bounce onto the model. And you said you often use a 17 to 40 or, or is that always a 17 to 40? Cause a couple of these look like it might be, uh, you know, more of a portrait style lens. Um, it, it is pretty much always my 17 to 40. I rarely take that sucker off. Mm-hmm. But with the port I have on my housing, I can fit an 85 in there. Uh-huh. The problem is when you're in water, you know, the more water between you and the model, the more, the less, you know, clarity you're going to have. And so you want to be as close as you possibly can. You know, I can put an 85 on there, but the water has to be insanely clear for it to be very useful. Or, you know, I'm just going to. I'm just backing up and putting a ton of water in between us. And then there's no point in even shooting with that anyway. So it's, you know, it's, it's usually my 17 to 40. And then I, I, I might move it up to 40 millimeters, but for the most of the time, it's, it's definitely on 17. Is it safe to assume you do a lot of uh, post uh, capture correction and editing? Tweaking? There is. It's, you know, editing is kind of a, a whole different animal on its own. Um, the, it's, it's mainly that blue, that blue and green haze. Yeah. And, um, a lot of that, like you can fix it with a filter. You can put in you know, a filter on your camera and something magenta and take out some of that green. But those filters are all, they're kind of specific to your depth. And so if you're going to shoot, you know, right at five feet under and you're going to stay right there, then it makes sense to use a filter. But I like to move all over. And so I like to shoot at the surface and then shoot farther down. And the further down you go, the more green and blue it is, closer to the surface, the more true the colors are. So when you're editing in post, 
there's a lot of color correction that might work for one photo, doesn't work for another. So it's tough to just mass correct like it would be on land. Well, I imagine so also with filters, uh, a time of day and cloud cover, oh, it yeah. all affects. So I, it seems oh, to me yeah. that a filter would probably be just another thing in front of your lens that you're going to be correcting for anyway. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's why I don't use them. Right. Um, and I have a lot of, a lot of, a lot of divers that do use them and they're, but they're going way under where there's a kind of a different, you know, the cloud cover isn't affecting their photos at that kind of a depth and where it still does affect mine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot of other things in post. I mean, I do a ton of bubble cleanup. Uh (laughs) There are bubbles all the time. Um, there's little particles. It's a lot of backscatter when you're in the ocean, that little sand that gets kicked up and, when you're in freshwater lakes, there's a lot of, you know, algae or stuff like that that gets kicked up. So there's a lot of kind of random stuff that you're always, it's, you're always looking for. And there's just particles that the light ha- catches and you got to yeah. clean it up later. Well, sometimes the bubbles work great too. I'm looking at a shot right here and just perfect kind of floating above the girl's head. Um, oh, they're last to play with. I bet. And, uh, when you're, when you're shooting with a black backdrop, uh, is there any other concerns you need to worry about other than obviously the backdrop itself moving? And is it just a cloth backdrop or how does that work? Yeah, it's just a muslin backdrop that I got online for 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. It was a 10 by 20 foot one. And then I had to sew two of them together because when you pull that model out and using that lens and stuff, it just looks a lot smaller than it is. So that is a 20 foot by 40 foot black backdrop that I sewed together. Um, and yeah, I just put it on the pool. I weighed it down. I made my own weights. I just took a bunch of Ziploc, big Ziploc bags, filled them up with sand put them in other Ziploc bags. And then I just filled, wrap those with black felt so I can put those all over the backdrop and you never see them. And they don't. And when do you decide to, uh, make a black and white image instead? I mean, when do you, when does that, does that come in post or do you see that when you're, when you're shooting or how do you decide to go black and white? I probably put every single one of my images in black and white at some point. So I shoot them in color and I, I know what I want to edit in color. And then after I'm fully edited in color, I will always put it in black and white just because I'm curious. and I want to see it's, there's a few times when I'm shooting something that I'm thinking, you know, this is definitely going in black and white later, but everything is in color first. And then, um, I'll end up switching it over later. If it's cloudy and I like that really even, even light, I'll probably like it in black and white because I, I love how you can you know, kind of dodge and burn some of that fabric um, and make that, you know, kind of, I love that effect. Mm. And do you work with the uh, with the fabrics of the of the clothes that the models are wearing in any certain ways to, I mean, do you have certain fabrics that you like to work with or, or do you have them, yes. do you talk to them about um, how to get it to move in certain ways? I do. You know, the I, chiffon is probably my favorite. If I can ever, I have way too much chiffon fabric of different colors. It just flows beautifully. It ripples beautifully. It does everything perfect. Um, tool is also really fun to work with in water. It looks really great on camera. It's kind of a pain to work with because it doesn't float or sink. It just stays where you put mm-hmm. it. It's kind of this massive thing that just sits under there. Um, but a lot of it is kind of just getting them used to the fact that their legs are kind of going to be useless. They have to do all their swimming and all their moving and posing with their arms because if they're trying to kick and do stuff with their legs, you know, these dresses and all this fabric usually gets tangled and it kind of turns into a mess. So Ooh, a lot I of their thought swimming, about that. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So all their swimming is with their arms. If they're ever doing any of those shots you see where people are jumping into the pool and they're wearing a dress or something, I usually have it hold them, hold it between their legs. So they're going to hold it around their foot or they're going to hold it between their knees. And when they jump, it stays down. There's no jumping up at all. Um, coming up at all. And then there's also, if it's anything huge, I've shot in some really giant wedding dresses. Then there's people that are there, obviously, (laughs) that are always kind of looking and waiting to see if someone's getting tangled in anything. They can just pull them right back up. 
Gotcha. Is there such a thing as a wedding dress that would be just too much to have to haul around underwater? Well, you know, in the ocean, there definitely is because the ocean has those currents and that, you know, ebb and flow of stuff. And if you have a giant wedding dress, then you're at some point, you're basically just along for the ride. You're not even doing anything. <laughs> uh, so, it's like parasailing underwater in a sense. Yeah, it actually is. You know, I, I, don't have, I have a shot where a girl is under there with an umbrella. And we, we shot that in a freshwater lake, and that was we had no idea there was even a current under there until she brought down the umbrella, opened mm. it up, and then just took off. So, <laughs> I mean, she just left, and I had to go and get her. But there's times when you know you just aren't aware of, of what's going on under there, and the fabric you know makes it very well known. There's a lot of lakes that they have a current, and you try and get the fabric to look a certain way, and it just sweeps right down downstream. So... You know, I would say as far as in the pool, you know, I'll shoot with pretty much anything I can possibly put in there. Um, I mean, I've shot, I shot one of my um, models, Yasmin wore roller skates in there and (laughs) thank God she was a good swimmer. You know, we kind of started in the shallow end and we weren't aware that when they fill up, they go to the bottom, they sink right to the bottom and she's got these giant weights on her feet. So that was a slow process of learning how those work. And I've shot with a uh, fur coat once in the ocean and that sucker got so heavy, it took four of us just to get it out of the water and onto a rock. And then we still couldn't get it in a boat. So there's a fur coat somewhere on a rock somewhere. <laughs> it just looks like that. We could not lift it into the boat. It took four of us. We were there for about an hour just trying to get this thing in the boat. We couldn't Too do it. Much. It was that heavy. And do you often have like a change of clothes? I mean, obviously to change out of, but like, you know, seconds or thirds of the same outfit so that they can jump back in or does that, does that even necessary? Cause once everything's wet, it's just wet, right? Oh, now they, you know, they, they change in and out. They use those clothes and then they'll put them out, you know, on the boat or on shore or whatever it is, let them dry out, get into a different outfit. We'll shoot that. Um, a lot of the stuff I use, as soon as it's dry, you can use it again. It's fine. I have wedding dresses that I use again and again and again. Right. And I guess, what about the real brides? I mean, when you shoot a wedding, uh, what what is there? I mean, how many people are interested in doing this, and, and how many just say, "Are you crazy? I don't want my dress getting." And wet. do you bring up the subject of underwater photography, or do they? Um, they. I don't. I don't really approach anybody. Um, it's kind of surprising since I don't really shoot weddings anymore, but I do the underwater engagements. I network a lot with wedding photographers because they'll have brides that have an idea like this, and they say, "Just go talk to Jenna." Like I want nothing to do with that. <laughs> They'll come to me, I'll shoot their engagements and then they'll go back to the other photographer and they'll shoot their entire, you know, wedding. And I, it happens quite a bit. Actually, there's a lot of brides that are interested in it. I get a lot of people, um, from the Asian area. Like there are a lot of from Hong Kong and Bali, like it's kind of really big over there. So I get a lot from there. And then I would say, I don't think I've ever had anyone that used their actual wedding dress. Um, they use a different dress, but in all honesty, all it's got to do is be a white dress. They can go to Old Navy or, you know, go to and get a white dress and it still looks very wedding-y. Gotcha. So. Do you bring people along just as, be- as safety backups, watches, spotters, or whatever you might want to call them? Sometimes I do. I mean, I'm, I'm lifeguard certified and I'm pretty good, but you know, there was an instance when we were shooting up in Glacier, um, we, you know, we hired the rafting company. So I'm out with all, we were with a bunch of models and i with Rocky Mountain Entertainment and I was on the raft and we went whitewater rafting pretty much. And then we just find a pool and everyone jumps off and, and we try and shoot. And there was one of the girls that, um, you know, she lets her air out so she can sink down. And it was a lot deeper than we thought it was. And she just kept sinking down. And I had to go down and, and get her. And you can see from my camera because my 
my pictures kind of chronicled the whole thing where the pictures are of her. And then they slowly start taking pictures of the rocks in the sky and everything else. Cause I'm pulling my camera away and diving down. Ooh. Hmm. And, uh, other than Montana, do you have regular locations that you go to shoot warm water places? You know, it's kind of give and take wherever I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would definitely, I shoot a lot in Catalina mm-hmm. out, off the, out of LA. Right. Um, they've got kind of a, there's some places there that's really clear. It's really warm. Um, most of the models I shoot there would disagree. They <laughs> like it's freezing. There's giant waves and the fish are awesome, but the fish bite. So yeah kind of one of those things where it's like, we just, we're going to get bitten by fish. Just go under there and pose. And it's just how it is. But that's when I'll usually bring my Montana girls and you know, they don't mind a few waves. They don't mind the water. They don't mind fish. They don't mind nothing. Montana girls. All right. I don't know, Alan, do you have anything else? No, no. I think we covered just about anything, anything you want to throw into the mix that we haven't touched on. For people that want to, want to try this stuff, I would, I would say to do it. And People always ask, you know, what I can't afford all that gear. What do I do? Get a GoPro. Just go buy a little GoPro or go buy a little underwater camera. I think it's really intimidating for a lot of people, and they think they got to have all the scuba gear and all the, the this really expensive um, housing at first, and you really don't. It's a good point that you brought up about small cameras because there are a lot of very inexpensive, meaning two, three, four hundred dollar cameras, and they take mm-hmm. great pictures and they're very good. They take amazing pictures. I think people get stuck on that, you know, well, if I'm not using a Mark III, then this other camera is just crap, and it's not. I think if you're really going to focus on a camera for underwater, if you want to focus on the technical aspects of it, I tend to use ones that have a higher ISO range that you can kind of push that ISO because water cuts so much light. What do you tend to set your cameras at then? I mean, in terms of ISO and... uh, I was going to ask the same thing, but I imagine it's so variable depending on what your situation is. It is really, really variable, but I'd say on a bright, bright, sunny day, middle of the ocean, saltwater, it's probably around six or eight hundred, somewhere, somewhere right in there. I tend to shoot on a, only a four point aperture. Are you a, a Lightroom user? Is that where you do your work in? Your yes, po- yeah. Lightroom and Photoshop. Both. Yep. Okay. Alrighty. And I'll and start out. Start out in Lightroom, and then I'll move to Photoshop. Right, and that's for removing bubbles. Use Photoshop for removing whatever is in the way. Yes. Yeah. So Lightroom is all the, you know, main, the big color correcting and some of the color toning. And then I'll pull into Photoshop and that's all the touch-ups, the butt, the bubbles. Um, it's a lot of skin touch-up because usually the girls, you know, they don't, if they're not wearing that um, foundation, they have a foundation, their skin turns white, they just don't wear it. So there's a lot of skin touch-ups, um, a lot of just little, you know, little random things. And then I'll pull it back into Lightroom and, and play with it a little bit more too. Gotcha. There's also a um, thing I have to do in Photoshop that, took me a few years to even notice and now I notice it all the time but whenever you're shooting with um like any bright fabric any bright color or any whites or any pretty much any color fabric I guess and it creates a halo in the water because it reflects off the water and back on the model mm-hmm. so they're always in like the if they're in a white dress there's this little white halo that goes all the way around them where it's reflecting into the water and even the color of their skin if they get like a strong reflection on their skin um their skin will reflect off into the water too. So I have to go through and color correct and take that out. Do you have any uh, upcoming workshops, publications, projects coming up? Um, you know, my upcoming project, I'm working a lot with film underwater. I started on digital and I'm going backwards. So I'm starting to learn more about film. So uh, I've got myself a little Polaroid that I've been shooting with underwater. <laughs> That's is- great. Which again, I I know that there's housing I can buy for it, but I built my own and I like that right now. So I'm using my own housing with my Polaroid camera. Which which Polaroid are you using? Just curious. A 600. Ah, okay, that's great. That's yeah. great. <laughs> Good for you. So, and then um, 
if anyone is interested in kind of starting out this underwater stuff, I do have a set of Lightroom presets. So yeah, I just go down to photofern.com and then there's, I think I've got over like 300 different actions and presets and, and just stuff on there to download. And then you can download literally anything. And I have a specific Lightroom underwater preset pack. Oh, cool. I think there's 10 different presets and you can just take them, shoot something in your pool with a, you know, any little minor camera, upload them in the Lightroom and you can use one of those um, presets and kind of gives you an idea of what it would be doing. Very good. Good. And your it's, it's PhotoFern is also your uh, website or is that a separate site that you're... No, separate. It's totally separate. My, my site is just jennamartinphotography.com. Jen, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Very enlightening. Interesting to see your take on things. And again, Jenna Martin, her work is available online. You can take a look at it on our website. And uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. This was a blast. I love talking to you guys. Thank Great. you, Jenna. Really appreciate it. All right. We'll see you later then. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, folks, you stayed with us. We're going to give you a great promo code. Earlier in the show, we mentioned that we have a special deal on Icolite camera housings for underwater photography. 10% off to be specific. When you find the Icolite housing that suits your fancy, when you check out, enter promo code BHPODCAST17. That's BHPODCAST17 in the promo code box. This special promotion is valid through June 15th. Again, all you have to do is go to our site, pick out a Icolite housing that you like, write BH Podcast 17. That's BH Podcast 17 in the promo code box, and you'll get 10% off on your order. How's that? Okay, that's a wrap on another wonderful show. I'm Alan Mites. Thank you so much for tuning in today. 